That's the theme for sex in the city, but we've sort of repurposed it for our own devices for psychology in the city with Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman from Clinic Psychology, Manitoba, and winlove.ca. Did I get that website right, winlove.ca? You got it. How's it going, Raymond? I'm doing all right. Now, Loren, I understand that uh, Ramadan began, was it yesterday? Was it the early this morning? I was going to say Ramadan Mubarak, or am I saying that right? You are. Thank you very much. Yeah. Happy so, Ramadan. Oh, is, that the, is that, that the, the translation? Yeah. It's yeah. Mubarak just means celebration. Yeah. So when you say Ramadan Mubarak, it's like Happy Ramadan or congratulations on this day. And I'm just going to write Ramadan Mubarak. Yep. Okay. Okay. Let's see. That's that's one of the things I wanted to learn. And Loren, you just got to it before I could even <laughs> ask. So well done. Yeah. So uh, Raymond. There are some things that you have to do in Ramadan that do not sound pleasant. Yeah, it's more about what you don't do. <laughs> yeah. um, Ramadan is actually just a month. There's two purposes for it. Um, so those who observe Ramadan do it for these two reasons. Number one is to gain a sense of mastery over your primary needs. So hunger, sex, anger, like your emotional range pretty much um, from sunrise to sunset. Um, I guess the key part that most people tend to be focusing on will be the food aspect. So no food or drink during that time. And uh, and the, it's based on like there's I'm always going to bring psychology into this. There's there was a study done about this marshmallows and these kids, where they looked at children who you know in kindergarten they were given that choice of having one marshmallow right away, or two marshmallows later. And the children who chose two marshmallows later did better in life over the course of time. The idea about delaying gratification is where a lot of this stuff comes from. And so it's a point where we build resistance and self-control. I joke about it calling our ninja training. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the second reason is to develop a sense of empathy uh, for those people who go without. Uh, charity is a very big part of this month for us. Uh, in fact, the, the, the day that we celebrate Eid al-Fitr is the Eid is a celebration, Fitr is charity, so the idea of the celebration of charity, so that we offer charity often during this month. Um, to be generous during this month is critical. For Muslims. The, there are fasting, you know, as part of Christianity and, and even in my Catholic faith, faith yep. will do it on different days. And yep. and I think as adults, you can you can get into the idea of it because it's about finding something else in yourself or thinking of others, as you mentioned. But I saw you tweet last night that your son was kind of <laughs> feeling like it was Christmas Eve. Is that, is that, uh, yeah. why? Like, what was he so, what, why is it exciting I think, for children? He, I mean, he was very excited. It, it is a very special time. Children are obviously not fasting. Uh, you have to be of a certain age to be able to do this. But, you know, it's this very special time of the year uh, for those who observe it. Uh, it's a time for generosity. Of course, there's going to be gifts as well, too. You know, family comes together. It's quite similar to that. But he, I think, was merging together two holidays. So he just <laughs> said, I'm so excited for Ramadan. And he started to sing Jingle Bells. Oh boy. <laughs> You're like, there's going to be no gifts tomorrow morning, buddy. Yeah. No gifts. <laughs> well, he's got a little He's got a little advent calendar, so he's getting small things over the course of the month. Cute. Yeah. So do, has... Then uh, doing this throughout your life helped you. You said it's to help you uh, learn empathy, for example. And how how much has that contributed to, especially with what you do as a psychologist? Yeah, um, the empathy piece is really interesting. You know, as much as like empathy to me is something that we have to continuously work on. Yeah, I think we can make efforts and we understand, but we forget. You know, like you think about things that show up on the news. When they happen, they trigger a great deal of emotion. But over time, we forget. Um, Muslims have these periods of renewal, and so 
this concept of mindfulness is a really big element. So five times a day we engage in a meditative prayer, the idea that we become mindful about who we are and the purpose of what we're doing. Once a week we have a Friday prayer where we're mindful about, you know, a sense of community. Um, once a year we have this period of um, Ramadan where we become mindful about our role um, in, who, in our life and, and in society and what we have to give back. So to me, it's like this, oh, yeah, that's right. You know, I do this, like I engage in uh, a helping profession, and yet every year it's a reminder of where I need to be because people forget. I, I forget. I think people forget generally. You know, we talk a lot about uh, – we we looked at IQ and intelligence a lot, and then now there's this thing called EQ and our emotional intelligence to handle things within business or job or family. And I wonder where we are as a – society with our empathy levels and how good or bad we might be doing. When I look at, say, social media feeds and see the comments from people who have a, just a real, what feels like an inability to put themselves in someone else's shoes. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if we're getting better or worse in some respects at trying to understand where someone else might be coming from. Yeah, I know it's, it's true. I, I think, so what we recommend as psychologists is to have kind of more regular patterns of checkups with ourselves and to hold each other accountable. Um, some people get offended by that, but generally this process of being mindful, of being held accountable on a regular basis, regardless of what it is we're being mindful of, is critical to kind of self-development. Teddy Bear's Picnic is coming up. It's on May 26th, right? Yeah, that's right. What do you guys do there? So we had this idea about we a public mental health initiative where we work on improving access to psychological knowledge. So not just the people who can afford services, but everybody get access to the information that they need to feel better. And so we run this event called the Worry Bear Tent at the annual Teddy Bears Picnic. Um, and what we do is we work with children and their teddy bears on helping them shrink their worry clouds. And the idea that every single one of us has a worry cloud, some of them are smaller, some of them are bigger, but we always want them to stay small, cute, and manageable. And when they get to be really big and we engage in certain behaviors, then they get big and unmanageable and they make us unhappy. And that's what we'll be doing there. So we'll be helping children and their bears shrink their worry clouds. That's a fantastic initiative. Haven't taken my kids to the picnic in the past. You can do things like they get their teeth checked and they'll look at their arms. And so there's this big push about our physical health. But we've all been talking for years now about making the mental health just as important. So what do you hear from kids? If this is a first-time conversation they might be having about a worry cloud, do they seem to grasp onto the concept right away? It's a really good narrative. Like, we really like it. Um, it, So there's a really important element here is that sometimes – when children become anxious, they engage in behaviors that are sometimes problematic, and so we tend to blame children for them. Um, when we externalize the problem uh, and we're able to work on like a third-party issue like the worry cloud, then everybody gets to get on board and we're not blaming the child for that problem. So they respond really well. We've, we've had huge lineups ever since we've started it. We've had an excellent response. Um, We've even had little kids bringing their teenage siblings, like, uh, you know, pulling them over to the tent as well, too. Um, So it's been a really good thing. Along with that has come, we've produced a a free resource, actually. And anybody, whether you're attending the Teddy Bears Picnic or not, it's a free resource. We hand out little cards. It's called the Worry Shrinker uh, Set of Tips. And it's for all parents or anybody working with children on how to work on reducing or shrinking those worry clouds. So if you just Google Worry Shrinker, it's the first resource that comes up. And it's a free resource we've developed for anybody who needs it. You mentioned the lineups were huge. I uh, actually was hoping to to sneak in and and say hello to you last year, but I couldn't get in. It was like... Like a, it was like a busy nightclub or something. Um, but uh, so the the kids are, are taking to it. But what about adults who come in? Do you ever find that they they say to you like, 
you know, this is going to help me. Yeah, it, it would. And all the tips and tools that we utilize are the same things that adults can use, you know. And I like that metaphor of a worry cloud because it is something we can all relate to. Um, so the, the tips and tools will apply across the board. The narrative is really helpful, particularly for young kids. Um, we are also going to be having a selfie booth uh, this year. The idea here, part of us doing this so publicly is also about fighting the stigma about talking about mental health, that we just talk about it like anything else. And so this year we're going to be having a little worry cloud selfie booth where people can come and take selfies with worry clouds floating above their head um, and kind of hashtag and tweet, you know, the idea to have this conversation more openly um, about talking about our mental health. When it comes to that, uh, first of all, I think, Brett, you were planning to be there for that day. I know Greg's going to try to get down there for the selfie booth. I am as well. And so I'm looking forward to seeing how people um, react and, and share their thoughts and feelings. But I'm curious too, like, you know, Brett mentioned adults. There's a conversation mm-hmm. that parents are always trying to have with their kids too. And so this might be giving them language that they weren't sure how to use mm-hmm. and, and help introduce that conversation better. Is it a... I'm wondering if it's a fear factor that stops some of us from having that talk because we just don't know. We want to introduce it with our kids, but we're not sure of how to start the conversation because there's some people that might say, well, if I bring up with my kid, like, what are you worried about today or what's hanging over your head? Mm-hmm. It might cause them to start reflecting on things that they maybe weren't. What would you say to that? I'd say the problem there is there regardless. And a lot of parents will say, you know, I'm really glad you're doing this because when I was a kid, I didn't have these resources and I didn't have the language. And mm-hmm. so it is now a language and it's, just, like, it's a very specific set of skills that people can start to engage in. A lot of times, like for adults or for children, we tend to make mental health this rather kind of airy-fairy, kind of elusive kind of uh, thing that we don't know how to address. And there's a very practical language that we can utilize both for adults and for children and very practical things that we can start to do that help to overcome that. And so uh, as an example, uh, the idea here is that generally when we have anxiety, it causes us to have distress over or avoid a lot of the difficulties um, that we were anxious about. But the more we avoid, the more our anxiety grows in there or the idea of the worry cloud grows. The more we gradually start to face our fears along with a a bunch of other tools that are all on that worry cloud uh, tip sheet, the more we're able to manage that and carry about our lives. And what that does, the more we repeat those set of behaviors, the more we become more confident um, and the smaller our worry clouds or our anxiety becomes. And I love the image of the worry cloud. And you you said that it's something we can all relate to. And, and really you can because that's kind of what it feels like if you are suffering from some kind of anxiety or what have you. It can feel like this black cloud that is just looming directly over your head and your shoulders. And uh, for me, if I get a little too anxious or I'm fretting about stuff, it, it's to the point where I can't see through the cloud. I just, I can't focus on whatever I need to do. And it just sort of stops me in my tracks. Yeah. And that's a really good point that you mentioned. So the reason we focus on anxiety is because the anxiety is the most common mental health problem, mental illness across humanity. Um, depression is the second most, but both, but what people don't tend to realize is that anxiety and depression t- often tend to be linked. Uh, there are cases most certainly where depression can occur on its own, but those who suffer with anxiety on a regular basis, that's definitely going to impact your mood. And that's why we put a lot of our effort and our bang for our buck right there on the anxiety and our worry clouds. In that the anxiety can lead to depression or that my depression could create anxiety or is it a bit of both? Um, usually the way it goes is that anxiety creates depression. Now, like I said, depression can exist on its own. Uh, people can be depressed without being anxious. But when people are anxious for a very long period of time, there's an increased likelihood that they will start to become depressed as well too. 
And if we don't address the problem with anxiety soon enough, the depression tends to take over and becomes the primary problem. So if you're going to the teddy bear's picnic, make sure you go to the worry bear tent to see Raymond and the friends from Clinic Psychology Manitoba. Can I make one more note? Yeah. So there's a really critical component. There are times we've had people come by and not always feel comfortable. They didn't know whether they could be there. People from different faith or cultural communities. I want to make it very clear that every single person is welcome at this tent. We had some indigenous people come by and they almost felt like they couldn't belong. They didn't have the right to. I just want to make it very clear. Every single person, regardless of your background, is welcome at this tent. We're very, very happy to service you, uh, myself and our team. And that is going to be at the Teddy Bear's Picnic on the 26th. ClinicPsychology.com is one website. Another one is winlove.ca. And then a third one, Mental Health Week. It's on right now with the Canadian Mental Health Association, May 6th to the 12th. Dr. Raymond Abdurrahman, thank you very much for joining us this morning. We appreciate it, sir.